Hello, and welcome to Unauthorized Cinnamon, a Deadwood podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Herman. I'm Harry Perales, the other. And we have embarked on our journey into the wild world of HBO's Deadwood. <laughs> We're uh, now on our first episode of the series, titled Deadwood. This episode is directed by Mr. Walter Hill. Yes, of uh, The Warriors and uh, Streets of Fire and uh, 48 Hours and uh, Brewster's Millions as well. <laughs> Brewster's Millions. <laughs> uh, classic Richard Pryor baseball movie. Yes. Also, uh, yeah, Long Riders and Southern Comfort, other badass movies. And he also directed a movie about Wild Bill mm-hmm. Hickok, who is a central figure of the show. Uh, starring That was with Jeff Bridges, right? Uh, I think I never saw it. I think I saw it on TV, like clips of it, and it was very, like, very shadowy. And it was, you know, the last days of Wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just ignore that. <laughs> uh, and it was, you know, you could see, I could see a lot of um, that movie in the pilot of Deadwood. Mm-hmm. The way there's, there's very shadowy with just like harsh light on the faces. Yeah, that's one thing I, I noted. There's just super harsh lighting in this pilot episode. Especially revisiting it, I was like, oh, yeah, this is really harsh. Mm -hmm. Um, He also directed a movie with Keith Carradine. He he directed a couple, yeah, uh, Long Riders. And that was actually uh, Keith Carradine and also David Carradine. And I think think there were a couple. There was another pair of brothers in it. Um, I can't remember, though. It's been a while since I saw it. But uh, Mm -hmm. in Southern Comfort, which was also a kind of a... Which also starred uh, Powers Booth and uh, Keith Carradine. In, I think Keith Carradine was in the Wild Bill movie he made. Also, mm-hmm. maybe I could be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, folks, <laughs> I did do a lot of research on this. Just not. Uh, but he left the IMDb stuff to me, and I didn't do any research, so I'm sorry. <laughs> I did. It's funny because I, I was like, I'm going to watch the Long Riders before uh, I watch this and kind of have something interesting to say, mm-hmm. but I can only find it on VHS at half price books. And uh, I tried to play it, and I think somebody took a magnet to it. Oh God! And uh, as of recording, uh, I actually set my DVR to record the Long Riders, which is coming on uh, one of the Encore networks. And so I'll see it later after the show, but I don't have anything insightful to say about <laughs> it. Was- a, 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 a rewatch of the Long Riders. We can have a special episode for yeah. <laughs> for uh, paying subscribers or yeah, something, an appendix or something. But uh, so we are here in Deadwood. Uh, very first episode. We open up. We're in Montana territory, and we see the town where our assumed protagonist, Seth Bullock, is the sheriff for the time being. One thing I, I noticed on my you know sixth watch of the show or whatever, yeah, you know, I'm very much paying attention to every single detail. Mm-hmm. It starts like gallows or center frame. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about that because it slowly pans to the left to show the sheriff's office. Yeah, <laughs> the jail. Yeah, uh, the constabulary. Uh, <laughs> but it starts the shot of this town and that gallows is center frame. So we're starting out this show. We're in the West and their death is central, which I don't think is a particularly strong overarching theme of the show, but it's certainly something that's present through yeah. the entire show. Definitely. Uh, especially with how, 
how easy people are kind of disposed of, literally disposed of mm. by uh, a certain person's pigs that, uh, yeah, it's always there. There's always that threat. Mm-hmm. So then we go into the prison. We see our hero, Seth Bullock. Uh, so Seth Bullock, um, if you listen to our intro episode, you know he was a real person. He was actually from uh, Canada and lived in Montana for a while with the Montana Gold Strike, which later on you hear Seth saying all their wares were perfected at the Montana Strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very angrily. <laughs> it's everything well, so, says. Saul says it very well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll get to it. Seth. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I have an issue or two with Seth Bullock. But <laughs> that'll 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 come later. Um, we see Seth. He's writing a letter. I believe it's to his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And there is a prisoner. His name is Clell. Yeah. Uh, Clell Watson, I believe. <laughs> Just that is a Western shitty ass name, Clell. Clell, like, uh, yeah. Clell is talking to uh, Seth, asking, you know, you headed to Deadwood. Is it true what they say? No law at all in Deadwood. So we're setting it up. Yeah, we're set, especially with him, you know, being the sheriff of the town. Like he's going somewhere. There's no law, but you know, soon. As the scene progresses, um, the angry mob shows up and also shows there's no law and civilized, you know, in, in a quote unquote, you know, civilization either. Yeah, there's a Seth is is going to a place where there's no law, but he seems very interested in the rule of law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we had talked last episode about how David Milch kind of made his bones writing cop shows and mm-hmm. YPD Blue being the best example of that but you know and a few others um and he he had said that he had always worked on shows that explore the convergence of law and order which are two very separate things Mm -hmm. um did he ever work on law and order not that i'm aware of Mm. um i can imdb it but um uh he uh wanted to explore this place where there was no law, but it had order and, you know, exploring what sort of order does it have and what does that look like sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, let's see, he, he wrote an episode of LA law. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, and he worked on Hill street blues. Yeah. Uh, which I think everyone good did. Um, but yeah. And let's not forget John from Cincinnati. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so Clell even briefly tempts him like, Hey, look, if you let me out. I know two or three scores we can make along the way without, you know, even getting off our, our path. <laughs> and Seth is like, nah, yeah, that's not happening. Uh, and then Clell says like, uh, he, he has this line where he says, Christ almighty, no law at all in gold. You can scoop from the stream with your bare hands. Like, <laughs> That he has bought in a hundred percent to this big rock candy mountain myth yeah. of like just gold <laughs> doubloons laying at your feet. Like, uh, so you also get the idea that this is spreading around the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and people like Clell are all headed to Deadwood. Yeah. Uh, but he goes and fucks himself up by supposedly stealing Byron Samson's <laughs> I love he's horse. Like, supposedly. Yeah. And Seth responds with, "That's damn poor timing at the yeah. least." <laughs> Seth is 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 not uh, interested in this guy. So then you know outside you hear the posse with Byron Sampson riding up. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in what you. So if, if a lot of things on Deadwood are sort of a microcosm of societal forces mm-hmm. or, um, you know, group tendencies. I'm interested in what you think of this posse that rides up. It actually, when I rewatched it, I, I, I couldn't help but think of the, the GOP's reaction to Obama's uh, Supreme court nomination where it's like, Oh, you have no, you have no reason to hold up law if you're on your way out, mm-hmm. you know? And I just like, Oh, it's, that's the GOP. That's, that's what they've <laughs> always been just an angry mob. That's, that's interesting because I, I saw it and I also kind of thought of kind of the same sort of people, but, but these, these folks that are like, like Batman fans, (laughs) they're just like, like dream of being vigilantes. Yeah. Uh, and like what you better hand them over to us. We're going to get justice. Like the we, the people (laughs) like Mm -hmm. these sovereign citizen fucks like in, in, you know, also Seth says something, you called in the law, you don't get to call it off just because you're liquored up and popular on payday. I love that line. Yeah. You're liquored up and popular on payday. Like Byron Sampson reminds me of these like, you know, small time like job creators. Mm-hmm. Like these yeah. That are, that think they know how to, you know, run the country better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Seth then proceeds to kind of tell them or not tell them <laughs> the opposite of that. Yeah. Show them. Yes what it actually means. Right. Uh, he, um, says he's going to hang under color of law Mm -hmm. and he proceeds to just get his final words. Mm -hmm. Accelerates, uh, his, uh, Clell's sentence. Yeah. (laughs) Before his sister is able to show up. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's, it's another, this is a murky sort of justice Mm -hmm. of its own where it's like, you know, he's not on a proper gallows. It's not a long enough fall yeah. for him to, you know, not strangle that, which I don't know. I don't mean to be condescending, but if people don't understand the physics of a hanging, mm-hmm. uh, you don't, when, when people were hung, it's not that they strangled to death. It's that the knot in the rope and them falling so mm-hmm. far would snap their neck Yeah, and they should die instantly. Yeah. A lot of times they, you know, it was botched and they ended up, you know, strangling for 10 minutes or so. Uh, and you know, Clell didn't want that to happen. <laughs> That's why you help me with my fucking fall, <laughs> which is, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he lets loose a fuck you, uh, that I have, uh, striven to, <laughs> to achieve in my own life in a lot of ways that, Fuck you. Uh, Steal a horse, Daniel. <laughs> you better not. Uh, there's an old saying in Texas about how like we shoot horse thieves because we've got plenty of thieves but not enough horses, something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a whole thing about how horse thievery was like a very, very serious crime. Yeah, thing yeah. Because that's a person's, you know, bread and butter. Mm-hmm. That's how they make their living, whatever. Yeah, I always, I always remember that uh, line in Django where uh, he's like, if you steal a man's horse or something, he's like, well, 
well, you're going to get hung because they hang horse thieves. And mm. so that's where I took that from. Is that Django Unchained? Yeah, Django Unchained. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember that specific line. Oh. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, um, yeah, and then Clell dies in in it's that that scene is really tough to watch yeah and also manages to do something to show you exactly uh what you know seth bullock's character without having a lot of backstory like another show or like maybe a network show that had to pad out a bunch of episodes would have like show him writing to his wife and like oh like well what's this deadwood i've heard about we're literally in media res where he's like yeah i'm doing this i'm writing this note it was and I guess he was going to wait, but he's like, no, I'll leave it now, I guess. Hmm. I have to leave. I can't deal with this, you know, this angry mob. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he rides out with Solstar, mm-hmm. who um, I believe I can speak for you, and it shall be the position of an unauthorized cinnamon. Saul is the fucking best. <laughs> yeah. Not only Saul, but also John Hawks. Yeah. Like, I've, yeah. He's become like a guy that I will just watch whatever he's in just because yeah. I want to see John Hawks. Um, he was great in, um, I want to say Frozen. Winter's Bone. Winter's Bone. Frozen. Frozen, frozen Bones. Frozen Bones. Uh, Bone Skull. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Me and You and Everyone We Know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in a, a lot more. He showed up on Lost. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if. The first, first time I saw him was in From Dust Till Dawn as the liquor store um, owner in the opening scene. And he's, he's really terrific in that. I haven't seen, I haven't seen the whole yeah. I've seen parts of it. It's all that shoot. Yeah. He owns the, uh, the liquor store. Um, but, uh, I don't know about you, but like, uh, with Deadwood actors have become like a thing in my life. Yeah, me too. I, I always, you know, a whole bunch of them showed up on lost. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one time I remember in milk, the guy who plays, I don't even remember the, the guy's name, but I think he like works for Psy and he's sheriff for a little while. And he also has like a hernia at some point. Mm-hmm. This big guy is, well, what will it do for you, Mr. Tolliver? <laughs> like, no, he's a car dealer at the number 10 saloon. Yeah. He's like standing at the front of a crowded one scene in milk. And I was like, Oh, look, it's that guy. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't have a line, but I'm yeah. just like Deadwood actor, Deadwood actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's, they get a lot of work because pretty much to, a person they're all fantastic mm-hmm. yeah um i am going to say and i hope you refute me because it's it seems to be a minority opinion but i'm gonna stand by it i don't care for timothy oliphant yeah i uh yeah i i <laughs> i can't really refute you there i kind of okay. I, I don't dislike timothy oliphant but uh <clears throat> If there is kind of not a weak link, but there's just it just there just doesn't seem to be whereas everybody kind of has shades to them, and I guess it's supposed to be the like the way he played it or whatever. But uh, if there is a performance that kind of thinks like a little wanting, it might be Seth Bullock. Yeah, but he, uh, sorry. Oh no, that's fine. Uh, but I, but I also kind of I kind of enjoy that like you know you're gonna throughout this entire podcast you're gonna hear me say it over and over again like oh did he see that mean what did he look like an asshole when he said that in real life or something mm-hmm. but it's so it's kind of like it's one of those things where it's like i think timothy oliphant might be a weak link but i also am glad he's there for something to kind of latch on to and to also point out like every it's almost kind of like a not something to make fun of but I like his kind of lacking performance in a way. 
from a, maybe maybe almost like a, from a kitsch point of view, <laughs> or like maybe because it contrasts with the other performances. Probably, yeah. Okay. Oh, but it just gives. It's like another game within the show. Yeah. Where you go like, <laughs> look yeah, at him okay. trying to. Be oh, mad. look at him trying to be mean and his uh little his it Van remi- Dyke like you know throbbing. <laughs> it reminds me kind of of um in the Pierce Brosnan 007 movie, James Bond movies, yeah. where you'd waste, wait for the Pierce Bos- Brosnan hurt face. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just wait for Tim the Elephant to think he's being super, uh, 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 like, uh, shaded his performance for <laughs> sc- rubbing his nose. Yeah. Like, Come on, man. Uh, but it just seems like your older cousin, like, trying really hard or something. <laughs> he, like, he never seems like this lawman. It just, he's, there's something about him that just mm. seems like he's he's too young to be playing this still. That's a very good point. And that's maybe um, fair because he's very much using Wild Bill as a father figure. Right. And Wild Bill sort of helps him come into his own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only other performance out of this huge cast that I don't particularly care for is Kim Dickens as uh, Joni Stubbs, mm-hmm. um, which is not as bad as Seth to me, but like, I, I kept wanting to like her because yeah. I think it's a great character. Yeah. Um, and she has a lot of great shades, but I, I just don't think she's that strong mm-hmm. as an actress. Uh, that being said, she's not that bad, and every single other person in the show is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah, those those are maybe probably the weak links, you know, or at least uh, Seth Bullock. I would probably agree with that, but just everybody else is so terrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next scene, this is when we meet uh, Wild Bill, Calamity Jane, mm-hmm. Charlie Utter, the Wild Bill group. Uh, we, the first we see, uh, Calamity Jane, my, my note says Calamity Jane is mad. Uh, she, uh, she, the, the wagon train is holding her up and she's like, it's only wild Bill Hickok. You got stuck here in the muck. Uh, she comes and, you know, talks to wild Bill and we see the way that wild Bill kind of softens her. Mm-hmm, yeah. And she, she loves wild Bill, whether or not it's, you know, platonic or romantic. I think it's maybe a bit of both. There's a deep, deep, serious love mm-hmm. between them. And we see Wild Bill in the first shot we see of him. He looks like a corpse. Yeah. A, um, now, Wild Bill is at the end of his life. Yeah. Spoiler alert, but yeah, he is. Uh, and what's actually funny is that when I started watching Deadwood, it was the same kind of uh, situation that happened with uh, Game of Thrones when I was watching it. When I was just looking up information about, oh, when is this? And I found out about the Red Wedding. It was the same thing with yeah. Wild Bill. Where I was like, oh, when did he die? Oh, that's the year. The sh- oh, shit. Because <laughs> you kind of feel like Wild Bill's going to be the, in this Keep Carradine and he has his presence. You think he's going to be the star of the show. Mm. You kind of think that he's going to be, you know, where everybody kind of centers around. Yeah. And he has this kind of father figure. And so you think it's going to end up like that. But a few episodes in. Yeah, it's I, I had kind of trouble thinking about how we do this. Yeah. But like from the moment you see him and then every single time you see him, he just looks like a a corpse that's lying in state. Right. Yeah. And there's so much foreshadowing of how he's 
outused his utility. Like he, he was a great scout for the union army. He was kind of this Kansas law man where Kansas was, uh, just really violent, you know, frontier between the North and the South where constant fights and battles breaking out between, you know, slave owners and non-slave owners. And all of this is coming to an end. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to be a showman. He doesn't want to earn an honest living. Clearly he doesn't, he's, he's this imposing physical specimen that knows only the force of violence. Yeah. And there's nowhere for that to be useful anymore. Yeah. And especially in the episode, I mean, the big kind of, uh, concern is while Bill like playing at, uh, his like card tables and like, Oh, well he'll have an appearance. He'll draw people in because he, you know, he's playing cards. Yeah. And this person who had like this really like crazy life, this is what he's kind of reduced to is this, Mm -hmm. this star at the poker table or something. Yeah. Um, so we meet them, uh, and from here, you know, she talks to Bill and that's when she goes, only wild Bill Hick, I could get stuck in the muck, ignorant fucking cunts. (laughs) Uh, and she kind of stops at the ridge and looks down and we see the town of Deadwood for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a beautiful shot where you see this wagon train. <laughs> this wagon train is going the full length. It's yeah. miles and miles and miles. And like we said in our introductory episode, this was a boom town in mm-hmm. the most severe sense. There was nobody living there in April, and by June there was 10,000 people yeah. living there. By December they had phone service. <laughs> uh, this is something I learned. Deadwood had telephones before San Francisco. Really? Yeah. It was when Deadwood got it, it was Deadwood and it was Washington, DC. <laughs> Those were the two places that had telephones. Uh, and obviously it added elsewhere, but it's also funny to think like the two like stable play or, uh, one of the earliest like stable places that's like built up instead of all these like shanty tents and stuff is the mm. whorehouse. Yeah. The hotel and the whorehouse. The, the you, houses of vice. Yeah. Are, yeah. Are the first ones <laughs> have like, Oh, this is actually really well built. This looks beautiful <laughs> around here. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get those hoople heads yeah. in there and get them fucking and drinking. Uh, but, uh, yeah, to, to kind of talk to that briefly, maybe we'll get that when we, um, start talking about Al and the gem, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, um, I think it was mostly the added telephones everywhere else kind of had their way of life was established and mm-hmm. Deadwood was like, it's a new place. It's like, let's just added telephones while we're building everything. Uh, and then later on in the show, we, we kind of deal with the, uh, telegram coming into town uh but the next thing uh we see is bullock riding into town Mm -hmm. he's uh and this is you kind of see a lot of scenes of the thoroughfare in deadwood you see kind of an open placer mine uh you see someone like getting a tooth pulled Mm -hmm. and then there's just like it looks like a lemonade stand but it's whiskey shots (laughs) (laughs) it's like five cents for a whiskey shot uh, and this was very interesting to show how haphazard and quick everything was done where it's like, this is main street, but it's also like a mine mm-hmm. <laughs> and a dentist's office. Yeah. Where just like, Hey, can you just pull this out of my head? I'll hit the whiskey stand afterward, but just, <laughs> yeah. right, no, you hit the whiskey stand first. Son. Do it first, then come back and then go back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause this is going to suck. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, and it's, I, I was kind of disappointed cause then we never see any of this again. Yeah. No, <laughs> Uh, but 
it grounds you in the world mm-hmm. at least, and you can't afford to have all those actors doing all that business, yeah, especially <laughs> especially for like a pilot, or at least in this episode, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's when he stops, and you see him and Saul talk to Dan about you know they're gonna rent this lot for twenty dollars a day, which ooh, that yeah. seems yeah. How much was how much was that back then? I I don't. No, let's see if what's, we what's do that inflation um, calendar or calendar <laughs> calculator. <laughs> let's uh, look this up. So if it's twenty nine a day, seven that's one hundred and forty bucks a week. Whew, one hundred forty uh, bucks a week. But that's really uh, harsh. Yeah, you know, what is that? Uh, uh, I wonder if the calculator goes back that far. Uh, I'm down to it. Only goes nineteen thirteen. Really? Uh, so let's just say. Uh, 20 bucks, uh, 20 bucks in 1913 was $488 <laughs> Fuck. in 1913. Yeah. Wow. That is, uh, whoo, boy, oh boy. <laughs> uh, and he said, and Dan tells him tents only, no construction. Yeah. Uh, which we'll get to later. Yeah. But then we go inside the gem and this is where we meet. Motherfucking Al Swearinger. Yeah. Al Swearinger, like the first we see of him, he's quickly reciting like 25 ounces at $5 an ounce. You get blah, 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 this much. He knows his shit. He's talking to Ellsworth, who's mm-hmm. a uh, prototypical miner. Yeah. <laughs> like a yeehaw. But also, uh, as you'll, you'll come to find out, is one of the best people. <laughs> yeah. One of the only people who you don't want anything bad to happen to. Yeah. Him and Saul, I think, are like mm-hmm. the pure souls yeah. of and, Deadwood. Yeah, and even in this episode, because when you first see him, you think, oh, he's going to be some, like, you know, foul mouth prospector or whatever, like, constantly drinking. But uh, we'll get to the scene, but there's a scene with Trixie by the end where you're like, oh, actually, no, this this is a really good dude. Like, I really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, like, <laughs> such a... It, it, it kind of shocked me how quickly he was great yeah even in this first scene like he swears a lot but the thing that he's saying is very heartwarming and uh we'll get to that but like so al what al represents is you know all these people are coming to deadwood to find gold laying in the stream they could scoop up with their bare hands uh and that's all fine and good but you know i had said in the last episode you know we learned from a year of of learning about the california gold rush when i went to school you you really don't get that rich off of uh, <laughs> the guy who discovered uh, uh, Sutter, who discovered gold in the California gold rush. He died penniless. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's hard to make a living off of mining, and it's harder to even harder to keep whatever leave, living you make. Right. And Al is a smart businessman, and he realizes like you don't go mine the hills, you mine the miners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you go out and you find a way to separate them from that gold there's there's a lot of times where people talk about like i'm not going to be you know squatting in a freezing creek all day uh because that water has to be cold yeah uh, <laughs> they'd rather they'd rather be in like a warm bed with a you know a, one of al's prostitutes or something and that's what he's banking on mm-hmm. and uh in the book uh stories of the black hills david milch he talks a lot about how um uh gold is sort of a symbol even though it is like a precious metal and it's kind of, um, it does have value obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still just like, it's a weird thing where we have all said that this colored rock is more valuable than every other colored rock. 
mm-hmm. and it is kind of a thing that lives at odds with uh, our concept of reality. Uh, it, it's weird to think that just taking this, and we talked earlier about how they're they're sort of raping the land. They're not building anything. They're not making anything better. They're tearing up the land, ripping yeah. stuff out. Uh, they're living illegally. They're living in a place with no law where they're constantly afraid, like, am I going to get uh, murdered by claim jumpers? Yeah. This, this is constant anxiety on them. Um, so they head to these places of vice um, to get drunk, uh, to get fucked, to gamble. There is a little bit of drugs in Deadwood, but it's not as pervasive Mm-hmm. As you might think, um, people seem to be content with whiskey and beer yeah. and prostitutes. Um, but Al realizes that, and uh, he's here to make a whole lot of money. Yeah. Anyway, I did want to read about uh, Ellsworth's little line. Did you have something you were trying to Oh, no, to? I, just, I just have it open just to refer back to it. Uh, maybe I'll splice in this soundbite, but it's just a great... One of the greatest lines in the show are soliloquies. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. I may have fucked my life up flattered and hammered shit, but I stand here before you today beholden to no human cocksucker and working a paying fucking gold claim. And not the U.S. government saying I'm trespassing or the savage fucking red man himself or any of these limber dick cocksuckers passing themselves off as prospectors that better try and stop me. They better not try it in here. God damn it, Swearingen. I don't trust you as far as I can throw you, but I enjoy the way you lie. I, yeah, this, that, that scene is just, uh, staggering in its mm-hmm. beauty and, uh, sort of these guys saying like, well, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and also that's followed by the, the scene with Trixie and what I love about the transition to that. Is he's like, I don't trust you. And then, like, Swearingen goes up the stairs, like, keep your own count. I got to go handle. <laughs> so, like, he trusts, he, he trusts Ellsworth, though. Yeah. Because we find out that Ellsworth is kind of the, <laughs> the only one with any true, like, uh, moral compass that we yeah. can kind of, like, you know. He seems to be very genuinely, like, I know that you're not out to get anything. Right. Like, you're, you're content in your space in life. Right. Yeah. And so um, he's like, he's not going to rob me. It's fine. You know, just don't yeah. gotta worry. I mean, obviously the, the Reverend has a big moral compass, but you know, and in terms of somebody we wouldn't expect, we wouldn't think that this like prospector yeah. would um, have such a, but he's just thoroughly good. Mm-hmm. But as you said, we do hear a gunshot from upstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Al says that's Trixie's Darren. That like that's her goddamn Derringer. And he knows. <laughs> also, I think Ellsworth also goes, uh, "Watch it." <laughs> he just says it at the bar. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> but he's, he doesn't. He doesn't make a move or anything. I don't think he's still drinking. He's like, "Watch out." Yeah, he's acclimated to this yeah. to this environment. It's, yeah, it's like if you and me, like if someone dropped a plate at a restaurant, like right. whoa, <laughs> like, oops, someone got shot. We're not actually helping anything. We're gonna stay where we are. We're not gonna stop drinking. <laughs> someone shot in the head, <laughs> but he cares. No. <laughs> whoa, way to go! All right, uh, but yeah. So Al rushes upstairs. And we see that uh, Trixie has shot one of her Johns through the head. Uh, now this actually happened this is a true fucking story oh wow um and i think it's where he got the character of trixie 
there's in, an excerpt from Stories of the Black Hills. There's an excerpt of someone who it was either the Deadwood Pioneer newspaper of the time or someone who wrote a whole book of stories from Deadwood. But yeah, uh, this whore named Trixie shot a guy through the front of his head and it, you know, he lived for like half an hour and they call in, this is where we first see Doc Cochran. Yeah. Uh, who we, I love. Yeah. Love Doc Cochran. He, uh, um, Brad Dorif, the actor, he can kind of overdo it from time to time. But, yeah. Uh, the character is so great. And Brad Dorif's a good actor. This is, this is a weird thing where he's able to use his kind of weaselly kind of acting to do like a really solid, and to do the opposite to where you're like, oh, he's conniving. No, the doc just wants to, you know, he wants to help his patient. He wants, you know, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's very loyal, but he's not so loyal, as we'll see in a few episodes on, that he will kind of, you know, compromise the people he's caring for. Right. Uh, he is out to do the best for the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of will, from time to time, go against their their wishes right. but he kind of knows what's best but uh yeah doc hucker is uh uh this is sort of a weird scene for him i feel like they wanted the doc to be one way and they over the course of the show realized he's going in a different direction right this one he seems way more interesting like wow look at this wow this Whoa. is really morbid and especially when he puts that like giant thing through the front of that guy's <laughs> head and johnny freaks out <laughs> That, that's also the perfect introduction of the character Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez, Doc. <laughs> Johnny, like, uh, this show, rewatching this, I forget how instantly every character is sort of ingrained, mm-hmm. except maybe Al because Al is so nasty. Yeah. Like in the in the first few episodes, um, but yeah, like. So Doc is looking through and he says stuff about like, this guy has a very unique cranial you mm. know, setup or whatever. And he turns and says this line is like, of course it won't matter to Mr. Wu's pigs, which I was like, that seems very uncharacteristic of, of yeah. Doc. And that kind of tells me that they had a different, it, uh, as I was saying, like in the, fr- the previous, our first mm-hmm. episode, he was based on this English doctor that was sort of a, sort of a body snatcher, but mm-hmm. very interested in anatomy. Um, yeah, he seems more sinister in that moment. Yeah. More kind of typical Brad Dorif kind of character. Yes. Oh, uh, Thomas Hunter is a British surgeon. That's the name of the guy. Uh, but yeah, Brad Dorif, you've seen him before in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm-hmm. He was, I, I just realized this today, he was Worm Tongue. Yeah, he was Worm Tongue in uh, Two Towers. Yeah, which uh, I had uh, pretty successfully forgot about that film series. But Didn't he also do the voice of Chucky? Was he? That I sounds think, right. I think but so. I yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's he's been around a long time. He's a very good actor. Um, but uh, yeah, he's the voice of Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so weird because I love Doc so much, and he just yeah he plays those guys. Uh, so after that scene, we see uh, Bill Wild Bill and Charlie Utter still stuck in the wagon train. Uh, he goes to write ahead like he wants to you know get drunk and start gambling mm-hmm. yeah uh so him and charlie go in and, and while bill asks her to look after their stock and she's kind of like fuck you charlie but then like <laughs> of course i will bill uh, 
that sort of, uh, oh yeah, Charlie makes some comment about like, well, we know where to find you. She's like, what the fuck is that supposed to fucking mean? Like, <laughs> are you trying yeah. to say I like a drink or something like that? <laughs> yeah, some, like, of course I like a drink every once yeah. in a while. Uh, Bill thanks her and she's just like, oh, thanks, Bill. <laughs> uh, and this is where we see the the family of, of Norwegians kind of ride past. Right. She asks him, like, you know, a back way into town. She's like, no, we not go into town. We go back home to Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, so she's like, all right. And she gives a little wave to this little girl. Um, and then the next scene is, uh, Alan Trixie. He's, this scene is, is rough. <laughs> this is Trixie saying, yeah. uh, you know, she's like, look, he was beating me up. He said he'd lost all his money and he was just getting one last piece of pussy before he went back to wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just started beating her up and, and then he puts like, his foot on her neck like that moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's when Al, um, you know, she's like, do whatever you want to do to me. He's like, don't tell me what to fucking do. And yeah, it's hard to watch. That seems like that also seems like an early kind of broad stroke for that character as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he has that line. Either way, this comes out. We'll only have to do it once. Yeah. Which is harsh. Uh, she just says, I'll be good. Um, now there's an interesting story that I found, uh, when I was reading on, um, what's Alan watching his review of, this episode, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Beaver, who plays Ellsworth, started commenting in the comment sections. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And he told the story. He says, my favorite David Mills quote from came from that day, talking about uh, the first thing. He was talking to Powers about playing a scene in the pilot where Swearingen is about to kill Trixie. And he's trying to communicate something going in the eye contact communication between the two characters. And he said, I swear, you know when you strangle a dog... <laughs> David Milch said this? Yes, David Milch <laughs> says this. And he proceeded to talk about the look in the dog's eyes of supplication and terror, yet also love. <laughs> That's what Swearingen should be seeing in Trixie's eyes. And he went on, but I think everyone on the set was still stuck back there at, you know, when you strangle the dog. <laughs> <laughs> The one uh, season of luck makes a lot of sense now. Oh, God. <laughs> those poor horses. Animal, yeah, those poor fucking... <laughs> you know when a horse... we got to put a horse down. It's like, no, I don't. <laughs> poor Barbara. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, that's... Genius that's, but troubled. I think if you're watching... When you first start Deadwood, you pretty much hate Al. And yeah. you don't think there's any... Any redeemable, yeah. Um, and for those of us who have seen the whole series and are going back through it again, you still kind of see... It, that it, he's not it, the worst, but yeah, it is. It is kind of when I saw, it, I was like, oh yeah, I don't. This isn't the owl that you know. Even though he does way worse things going on, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, or he has worse intentions even than that. But like, uh, and he's a really kind of brutal character. But there's still a lot to love about, yeah, and a lot to be fascinated by with this character. Yes, and especially in McShane's performance. I think that helps a lot too. I think if it was, it was probably, I imagine if it was Powers Booth, like uh, it would have been hard to kind of come around to that because with Cy Tolliver, there's a lot of stuff where I'm just like, yeah, he's just a, you know. Yeah, Cy is pretty thoroughly sadistic. Yeah. Um, maybe not sadistic, just uh, like sociopathic. Right. 
Um, and so you don't really like Cy Tolliver, but you like Powers Booth's performance. But uh, but that's you know if you have, but there's especially something big coming up you know the season that I'm probably gonna talk about at length of how <laughs> you know thoroughly it kind of scarred me. But uh, oh man, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. All right, this next scene. This next scene is when we meet E.B. Motherfucking Farnham. <laughs> you readjust your headphones. Yeah, sorry. Just blew off in the, in the heat of passion. The steam came out of my ears. <laughs> Knocked my head. Ear. E.B. Yeah. Farnham has to be the single most contemptuous character in television history. <laughs> Maybe not the worst or most hated, but there's every he just everything about him oozes like. Just sleaziness, but it's in this weird, like, uh, I don't even know the way to describe it. It's a weird kind of, like, uh, it's, like, not only sleazy, but irritating as well. Like, he just... Yes. He is the guy that constantly wants to please people and has no idea how to do it. Uh Uh-huh. But he never stops trying for his whole life. Yeah. I'm going to put my cards on the table as it were and say I identify highly with you <laughs> do a damp palms also run in your family <laughs> <laughs> I do they don't run in my family but I fucking got them yeah me too I get really sweaty <laughs> you got some mighty clammy hands there partner damp palms run in my family yes <laughs> that that's also a really neat kind of character trait it's like where you point out that he's like trying to please people and he has sweaty palms and he's got these clammy hands and he's literally trying to shake hands with people and it's just this kind There's, of slime that they can sense from him. Wow, that's a really good point. <laughs> Where, like, he, the he just very can't first, do it, yeah. Very first he introduction. Has, he has to apologize for that. Like, oh, don't take, don't take this as me, but it is him. It's absolutely him. Yeah. And he, he starts out, uh, you know, he says, uh, EB, oh, there's a rumor, rumor around going around camp you were coming from Cheyenne he's like well, you can't believe every rumor yeah. and you can tell he's trying to get on their good side he just doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't people are repulsed by him and everything he says is so uh transparent mm-hmm. I really love Charlie Utter too yes <laughs> uh I think David Milch in one of his I've, we haven't gotten to the episode yet mm-hmm. but he talks about you know the the face of this guy <laughs> He goes, look at this ugly fucking mug. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, uh, Dayton Callie is Mm. his name. Uh, Dayton Callie. He goes, he, you know, people like this really make my job easy. (laughs) 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 He does, you know, uh, he does have a great like Western face too. But uh, he's also one of those characters that you're going to come to find out that like, even though Calamity Jane like hates him and always gives him shit, she, it's just kind of their relationship and actually he's one of the you know even though he does like you know he'll literally have a scene where he's pissing and shitting his pants when he's talking to somebody (laughs) giving like explanation or giving you know expository dialogue but uh he's just really he's really he's really likable he's a great friend yeah he's really loyal insanely loyal yeah and he's he's a thoroughly good person yeah um (laughs) it ends with uh you know, EB's telling him, you know, Charlie and Bill both want a room. And he says, I, I, I can't fix it today. And he kind of looks at him. He's like, unless you kill a guest <laughs> thinking he's making a great joke. Mm-hmm. And, and they just look at him. There's yeah. <laughs> scenes with EB Farnham typically end. <laughs> Somebody just looking at him like stone faced, expressionless, just looking at EB Farnham. Like, what did you just, <laughs> you know? 
There's also something that should be said about the fact. I, I noticed this when I was I was a few episodes in, and I was looking elsewhere and Jen like staring at. Uh, I forget who it was, but he was just staring at him, and he just has the like. Ian McShane just has the greatest kind of like glare mm. at somebody, and there's it, to have somebody that you can constantly to be able to show that off of. Like he'd be far enough just to glare at them, like yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, I think in the next episode, he's like, yeah. "Don't repeat back what I just said in different <laughs> fucking words." <laughs> uh, because the very next scene. EB has scampered over to the gem to tell Al that Wild Bill is in town. And EB is, he, he gravitates towards Al because Al is the center of power and mm-hmm. the, 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 the heaviest object in his universe. He's, yeah. He always gets sucked into his gravity. Um, we find out that, that, uh, uh, Al doesn't care for Wild Bill. He's ostentatious. He's, flashy he's drawn attention to himself and if he's in this illegal camp he's like we don't need any more attention drawn to us mm-hmm. we're sitting here illegally um and also he was like an indian fighter mm-hmm. and didn't you know manage to drive out the sioux mm-hmm. um so he's he's not too happy about wild bill being in town uh dan comes in tells him the new york dude is downstairs <laughs> Did he order a whiskey? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great line. Did he like, down it or is, is he sipping? sipping? <laughs> uh, so is, he tells Eb like, "Go get Tim Driscoll. The dude is downstairs." <laughs> and Eb says, "As far as Wild Bill, if I pushed him any further on his purpose, I'd afraid he'd shoot me." <laughs> <laughs> and it begins, and it again ends with Al just looking at him like, <laughs> "Yeah." I think he looks over at Dan and Dan's just like, I don't know this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I love him exaggerating. Like I, I, I was in danger. He, he was so mean and angry. <laughs> and we just saw that he was just like, just give me a room. Uh, let's see. But then, uh, now we get to the point where Seth and Saul are trying to sell. It's Seth is just the worst salesman. He, <laughs> Cause he, he, He's just slumming it so hard from what he wants to do, which is to like tell people to not boss people around, but just like, you know, be this you know, like, you know, lawful but like shitty person. Yeah. And so they they show him like trying to like sell this stuff to him, but it's so angry. <laughs> and Saul just, like, just kinda has to step in. We got pickaxes. <laughs> we got pickaxes. <laughs> Come on in, take a look for yourself. <laughs> like <laughs> Seth comes out to what do my notes say? Like Seth is nervous about selling and Saul is patiently explaining that they're just selling good things at a good price. Yeah. Seth's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, they go, my, my <laughs> notes say they go out to hawk their wares. And Seth is just really pathetic, but Saul is the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then this asshole comes by selling soap with the prize inside. Yeah. <laughs> He's a hot day. A man told me he might find a prize inside and I found $20 bill in my soap. And then Seth immediately like steps up to him. Oh, he loves it. <laughs> He's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yes, this is what I am for. <laughs> like, I will threaten this weaker person. Uh, but that guy really is an asshole. And he yeah. Pops up a few other times and I just, oh, he is hateful. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then. So this guy comes up and he goes, I'll pay you two extra dollars for that pair of boots if you hold them for me while I wait in line, whatever. And Seth, he's like, set prices, boys. First come, first served. And yeah. he's 
And it's like, yeah, I guess this is a good thing. They're showing like, look, we're, we're square. We are the Carmax of, yeah. <laughs> but also at the same time, he does give him, but I'll get you squared right away. And he grabs the guy and he takes him to get, to buy it. I think it's also, it just wasn't much of a lot. I think the guy yeah. was trying to be like, I've got two extra dollars. Oh. I can... That's what I got from it. Cause he looked like he had a bit nicer clothes. And oh, I thought he was just like, like, Oh, I got money that I can. Yeah. That's what I read from it, but I could have misread it. Um, <laughs> so we, we, we go back to the, the bar and we see Brom Garrett who's boy. I don't like this guy. No, I don't uh, really like the Garrett's. The, um, I I like Alma, but I might be blinded because I have such a crush on on uh, what's her name uh, Molly Molly uh, Parker um, Molly Parker yeah uh, she's a very handsome woman I in remember my estimation I remember watching it like uh, whenever I watched the show I remember just not liking Alma Garrett like at all she yeah she does she's somewhat forceful personality mm-hmm. and can be very um, uh, dumb to other people's uh, experiences mm-hmm. and uh, emotions. Yeah. Uh, I get that. Brom is... <laughs> <laughs> he's a very good character, but boy, I, I just don't <laughs> like when he's on screen. But he's he's a good character and he's well played. Yeah. There's a, I also, there's a lot of times that I identify with Brom Garrett <laughs> also. Like stepping through the <laughs> 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 Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been there. But Al tells uh, Brahms, like, oh, there's Tim Driscoll, the guy he's trying to buy this claim from. Uh, and uh, he tells Brahms, like, while you were going to bed early last night, you know, Tim Driscoll almost sold his claim to EB. And Brahms was like, oh, but, but Al, I, I had to do my due diligence. I had to reconnoiter my claim and, and all this. And he says, oh, there's Tim Driscoll, shit-faced. <laughs> there's a line from Brom where <laughs> he's trying to fit in with Al. And, and later you hear that, like, I thought I'd found a friend in Al. <laughs> but he, Brom goes, oh, my God, he is shit-faced. <laughs> you can tell he doesn't swear very often. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like... Uh, anyway, next we jump to Tom Nuttall's number 10 saloon. This is Wild Bill's first stop. And this is where he often is going to play his cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so Tom just like Tom Nuttall is also a very good character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always kind of peripheral, but he's always fairly decent, likable. Yeah. He uh, is pouring drinks for Charlie and Wild Bill, and says, uh, "I don't want to draw attention to you, but uh, I recognize you. I know who you are." this one's on the house it's very like that's exactly how you deal with celebrities yeah <laughs> you just say like look i know who you are big fan i'm not gonna draw attention but yeah big fan this one's on me perfect jack mccall is in the corner thank heavens for jack mccall <laughs> jack mccall's another uh hateful contemptuous piece of shit <laughs> that is so Beautifully played. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt. Mm-hmm. He's another guy. And, you know, he's sort of a breakout actor, someone I looked for. And, may, you know, he got a lot to do with Jack McCall. Yeah. Um, but I still think it was great. The uh, first thing Jack McCall says, he sees Wild Bill. It's like, I'll say one thing before anybody opens their mouth. And then I'm through on the subject. And I'll be through for the fucking evening. 
I'm not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> he's Jack McCall is, you know, this gutter dwelling piece of shit. And just like he's he's kind of like an internet troll where he's like, yeah. whatever. I don't he's like shit. Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's always the first comment. Or <laughs> like that like oh, piece of shit. He's not so cool. Yeah. Uh but then Bill goes off to play some poker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie's like, you sure you don't want to take in the rest of the camp and maybe start later? No, I'll start now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the next thing we see, Trixie asks Jewel to get her another gun because Al doesn't want her to have a gun yeah. and shoot anymore. Jewel's out. also a character, like. Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's another one of my like, like absolute like you know I I, I see them as like family members when I rewatch this. I'm like, oh, oh it's Jewel, yeah. I loved yeah. She's a, it's a very interesting sort of character to have mm-hmm. in, a, in a show like this. We cut back to the gym and Tim Driscoll is harassing some woman cause he's drunk. What is he? He's saying like, he calls her some name and she's like, my name's. He's oh like, yeah. Mabel. So Mabel. Mabel get on the table or something like that. And he's <laughs> like, like, my like, name's Harriet. Yeah. <laughs> you always be fucking Mabel for me. <laughs> I can't tell if this is like an incredibly, uh, accurate, Old timey Irish accent, or the worst Irish accent I've ever heard. Right to fucking turbo tree. But like Al grabs him, and this is where like I forgot this this for a pilot episode. There's a lot of like sort of complicated things happening. Yeah. Where okay, Al has set up E B and Tim to rook. <laughs> <laughs> Al is brokering a sale between. Uh, Tim Driscoll and Brom Garrett, mm-hmm. New York dude. Uh, and it seems to be just that like, Hey, let's sell this guy this piece of land. I think they, they showed him some gold nuggets when he was reconnoitering his claim earlier and say, Oh look, there's gold here, but it's a worthless piece of land. And they're, they say, Oh, Tim, just Tim Driscoll owns it. And like Tim, you'll get a piece, but most of it's going to go to Al. Uh, the EB shows up to, I guess, add some like, uh, urgency. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> and his put his sweaty palms all over it. <laughs> and uh, Al is taken off guard because uh, they spit in their hand yeah. to seal the deal at fourteen thousand. Yeah. And EB's like, ah, am I too late? <laughs> so, Damn! I, I will offer you sixteen thousand. And then they just start bidding again. Yeah. And Brahm is like, I'll give you more. And Al's yeah. like, What the fuck did you just do? <laughs> And they go all the way up to 20000 which yeah. is as much credit as Brom Garrett has from the <laughs> bank back in New York. Yeah. Which is a sign that Brom is just not good with money. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a fairly good con. I mean, there's, you know, this is not the information age yet. He's not used to these sort of cons. And it's fairly well run. You know, that he goes out and looks at, you know, it, it'd be hard to spot like fake gold place. I wouldn't know today. Right. Yeah. Uh, but still, he like goes up to the amount, and later on, he says like, "I'll need to re up my credit with the bank." Of course, I'll contact father. <laughs> <laughs> he's such like a like a. <sighs> it's like you're kind of like stereotypical hoity-toity. Like uh, it's really funny <laughs> the way he's, he's, you know, this cartoonish New York. He's from New York City. Did he? Sip or did he down it? I still <laughs> love that so much. Sipping at did it. Did he sipping <laughs> at it? Uh, but yeah, they sell it 20,000. Uh, we cut back to the number 10, and Tom Nuttall's kind of talking to Charlie about like, uh, and Charlie asks him, like, look, if I were to make sure he only comes here, because like, look how many people are in your bar. 
uh, if I make sure he only comes here, like, will you give us like, you know, <laughs> he, he's like, quote a figure. And he's like, I don't know, 5,000 a night. And he's like, what a sport you turned out to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I guess that's a diss. I, yeah. <laughs> like I, I didn't know, it, but yeah. Um, he, he says like, look, you give me like this amount, uh, so that I make sure some of it makes it to his wife and kids, but only give him like this smaller amount. Yeah. And Tom's sort of like, you know, whatever you do with it, it's your own. He's like, no, like, mm-hmm. look, we, he's in a rough stretch of luck going all the way back to Cheyenne. Mm-hmm. Like he is not good with his money. I need to be sure. And, uh, on the commentary track, Milch kind of talks about how this is part of that civilizing impulse of mm-hmm. like, even if it's not in our interest, we want to take care of other people. Yeah. For Charlie, he's just like a friend of Bill's. Yeah, he's just super loyal. And this also, th- this illustrates like how loyal he is going forward to people. Right. And I don't see, I don't rem- I don't think they ever covered any sort of thing that Wild Bill did for Charlie mm-hmm. uh, to make like, oh, he saved his life or he, you know, did anything big. I think they're just friends. Yeah. But Charlie is like, he, he needs to take care of him because he can't take care of himself. Right. Uh, but uh, anyway, so then the next, <laughs> the next thing we see is the Garrett's hotel room. This is we see we see Alma for the first time, and she's taking some laudanum. Yeah, she is you know, hooked on the laudanum. That's the big uh, character defining trait for the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is a time for women when <laughs> things aren't cool. Uh, they are only you know, receptacles for men's, uh, exuberances <laughs> or, you know, things to help men reach what they want. They have no autonomy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's pretty much alone. We learn about what her father has done to her and we'll cover that later. Uh, so she's clearly depressed and suffering from what at the time is called hysteria, which is, uh, thoroughly depressing diagnosis from back then as it comes from the Latin hysterum meaning ovaries, I believe or uterus or uterus. I think it's uterus. So basically if they say she's hysterical, she is being a woman (laughs) and they treat that with opium, laudanum dope. Yeah. Almost hooked on this. He, uh, Brahm shows up and is excitedly says, we've bought ourselves a gold (laughs) clip. He comes in, he says, banish all headaches, Alma. Because <laughs> <laughs> a man's in the room now. Yes, oh, he's like, we've bought ourselves a gold claim. And that's when he says, like, well, have to contact the bank about renewing my credit. And of course, <laughs> I have to contact father. father. <laughs> and Alma is, like, still tipping. She's yeah, like, she's like, whatever, that's cool. She's like, that was to be expected. Okay. And she's like, oh, wonderful. <laughs> uh, we laugh, but she's hooked on laudanum. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we go back to Al's office and he is, uh, Oh, this is, he really lays the lumber on the Tim Driscoll. <laughs> yeah. And, oh my God. Oh, I just give me the fucking 15. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they had agreed upon 30% of, uh, the 14,000 they were going to sell it at. And I kind of don't understand why Al is busting his balls so badly. Like he's like, okay, well, just give me thirty percent on the original fourteen thousand, even though you got twenty thousand. Al's like, no, <laughs> nah, though. <laughs> what is your read on this scene? I wonder if it's kind of a 
get kind of a more kind of unsure of like Al's character and like where he really stands is like, oh, he's clearly mm. in on it, but he's also fucking the person that is also in on it. Mm. And so he also like having leverage over them. Yeah. He talks about like, well, can I just have like hundred dollars to hold? Yeah. He's he, like, you want that in cash or in credit at the tables? Yeah. And he's like, oh, fucking Christ. Like, just give it in credit at the table. And he's yeah. like, do you have any debts that we need to? And he's like, oh, Jesus. Like, just let me hold 50 <laughs> goddamn dollars. And he really puts the screws to him. And, you know, we go back to the fact that um, Al is supposedly, which we skipped over, I believe. Al's like, that limey damn accent. Yeah, yeah. Is, which uh, apparently they, they like... Uh, had you know, Powers Booth was originally supposed to play this role, and they got Ian McShane. And like, oh, just say that. Oh, oh, apparently, um, Al was supposed to ask that of Ellsworth. Uh huh. They, but not that he has the accent, but that like, is it true what they say that you're descended of British royalty? Ellsworth just goes, I'm descended from all them cocksuckers. <laughs> but uh, Al ends up saying it because yeah, they got a British guy. Yeah. So they're like, oh, just say it to Al. Yeah. Which, whatever. But anyway, that comes up again when Tim Driscoll's like, you Brits have been screwing my people on both sides of the fucking water. <laughs> uh, which, you know, <laughs> I think I even wrote in folk, F-O-O-K-I-N. Like I'm, uh, uh, who's the guy that wrote uh, Patty Clark Haha in The Commitments? Oh, shit. Uh, the author. Uh, um, I can't remember. Anyway, he writes fucking fucking Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, but anyway, and we go back to Seth and Saul's tent, and this is where we see Reverend Smith for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's talking about how he's making money by like saving up by uh, watching other people's tents while they go prospect, mm-hmm. watches their stuff, uh, and he's like, and then on the weekends I. Priest, I, I preach the Lord uh, crucified and resurrected, or something mm-hmm. like that. And you can see Seth kind of go like, mm, I don't know about this. <laughs> Seth, <laughs> I don't like God uh, <laughs> or anybody. Um, and Seth tells him how he's from Manitoba, and Sel- Saul tells him he's from Austria, but mm-hmm. he grew up in, in Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. And then he says, It's wonderful where people are from. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he's. He's from Louisville. Mm-hmm. I think I said Tennessee earlier when we were talking about him. He's from Kentucky, I guess. Mm. Uh, and then we have the line that we were talking about: "The Lord is our final comfort, but it's a solace having friends." <laughs> and then the kicker: I know that from past experience. <laughs> oh, Reverend. <laughs> and Reverend is, uh, you know, I'm I'm not super uh, jazzed about uh, preachers and in religion, but. The Reverend is a thoroughly good, yeah, good guy, um, and his way of preaching is very like, uh, very commendable. Right. I mean, there's almost uh, it's it could be from the what's the actor's name? Did you? I don't remember. I looked yeah, him up. Yeah, um, but uh, I love that actor. But like his face is just naturally kind of goofy. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, when he true. says it, you're like, oh, this dopey Reverend. But soon on, you know. Uh, well, we'll get into it, but you you you're definitely like invested in him, and your heart kind of breaks. Yeah, like thoroughly. Um, but later in the scene is when we see uh, this is Ned Mason mm-hmm. rides in, and Seth sees him, and Seth kind of instinctively goes, oh, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> <laughs> like, he hates him right away. Uh, and he goes up and, and like 
what's up, buddy? <laughs> like, what's going on? I've I, I seen a terrible thing tonight. <laughs> like, he wasn't going to, he was like trying to be unnoticed, but then there's yeah. like, oh, oh, I've seen something bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it wasn't me. Uh, yeah. He says that he'd seen uh, a family murdered and scalped and said it must have been the Sioux. And Reverend was like, uh, how many uh, people were there? And they're like, there's about five, four of them or something like that. And he goes on the Spearfish, the road to Spearfish, which is uh, northwest of Deadwood. And Reverend says, must have been the Metz family. They just left on mm-hmm. their way to Spearfish. But there's five of them. Yeah. Uh, so Seth immediately is like, this guy's just lying. Yeah. Like, uh, whatever. So they take him back to the number 10. We briefly, <laughs> we briefly see Jack and Wild Bill playing cards. And Jack kind of uh, is making jokes. <laughs> and he's like, here I was thinking I was bluffing. I've got an eight under here. Like, I beat Wild Bill. He's like, uh, got three eights. Like, I, I thought I was bluffing. I've outdrawn the greatest gunfighter in the world. And Wild Bill's like, meaning the third eight. Yeah. When you say outdraw, you mean the third eight? Yeah, I want you to say that you meant the third eight. And he's like... <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Merrick is uh, doing some exposition about the place of Deadwood and mm-hmm. says that he believes before long Deadwood will be restored to the bosom of the United States. I also love that this Jeffrey Jones and uh, he's, he's basically doing Criswell again. I predict from like Edwood. Oh God! <laughs> I hadn't connected that. Yeah, I made that note. I was like, Merrick, I predict Criswell. <laughs> um, do we want to talk about Jeffrey Jones and no. how we... F- look... I you mean, can do your Googling. He's not a good guy. No. Um, but he's around. He plays an mm-hmm. important character. Uh, it's a good character. There's good you know, moments with Merrick. Yeah. Um, it's one of those complicated things where you got to separate the artist from the yeah. art. And whether or not you want to do that, you know, look him up. Uh, that's all we're going to say. On yeah. That's, I think that should be the only thing we talk about um, regarding Jeffrey Jones. But uh, he says think uh, we shall be restored to the bosom of the of the country and someone at the poker table asked does bosom mean tit <laughs> I, saw, I love how that kind of sums up kind of the uh, how there's this eloquence in Deadwood but then there's also this very like crap this crassness constantly going on and so it's kind of constantly this constant tango between the two Yes. <laughs> and then later on, like, Wild Bill comes back to the card game, and Jack is like, restored to our bosom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I love it. Yeah. Um, but Seth brings in the fucker. <laughs> like, I've mm-hmm. called him on my notes because they don't name him in this first episode. It's Ned Mason. Yeah. And uh, he's like, well, uh, uh, I think I'll just do my drinking alone now. <laughs> Seth's like, nah, we're going to uh, stick around. And he's like, why don't we let everyone know in case the, the other child is still alive? And he's like, no, there's no way there's and Saul, uh, because he's the best. <laughs> he, he likes, so, so you say there's a family massacred and one might still be alive. <laughs> and it, I mean, the whole bar's like, yeah. uh, what's that now? Yeah. Uh, so they all get up and wild bill says like, let's write out. You show us where they are. And, uh, so I was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so then, I don't know the name of this character, this dopehead that sees what's going on. He runs to tell Al. Uh, uh, Jack kind of like is chirping at Wild Bill as he leaves, like whatever. Uh, Wild Bill and Seth have their first talk where they're kind of like 
so you were a lawman in Montana. Mm -hmm. Like you were in Kansas, right? Like, yeah, Kansas, you're in Montana. It's like, this guy's story doesn't hold water. And they're like, no, we're, we're going to find out what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so back in Al's office, uh, (laughs) This has one of my favorite, like, <laughs> my favorite Johnny yes. Johnny and Al moments. But let's, let's look into that. Yes, but uh, so this Al tells Dan that Tim Driscoll needs to get killed. <laughs> yeah. And I love Dan's like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, for real? Yeah. And he's like, yep. He's like, okay. Then uh, Johnny Burns enters with the dope head. <laughs> I'll let you <laughs> <laughs> like the dopehead explains like what's happened to like uh, where they're going to write out to but find the massacred family the massacred family and then al just fucking clocks johnny he says how long was this going yeah. on how many other people know yeah, how many other like, people know he told a, one or two other people yeah. it just punches <laughs> him he's like i gotta deal with this i gotta deal with this shit so <laughs> like, al i came as soon as i heard <laughs> <laughs> that line reading yeah uh, johnny burns uh that uh that actor showed up in room uh oh did yeah you see, did you see room no i never got around to watching it he's With the brie larson movie <laughs> yeah he's the one that uh holds brie larson oh yeah but like it's i don't know it's not eh, it's not so bad no like, <laughs> like yeah he's a bad guy but yeah but like so it's good uh, to see Al just fucking clock him and everybody treat him like shit in the show <laughs> yeah johnny's <laughs> so uh yeah, and in the commentary, David Milch, he compares the gem, you know, crew to a dysfunctional family. Right. And he's like, there's always the one kid that gets the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> and that's Johnny. Yeah. Johnny's a kid. And then he's like, the other kid has to explain the dad to the other kid. <laughs> and that's who Dan says, he's got a lot on his mind, he got Johnny. got a lot on his mind. <laughs> also, just, uh, I really love Dan Doherty, too. He does, he does the most, like, heinous things in the show, but, like... He also like has this like conscience on him, but he's also so loyal. Yeah, that he will only not do the thing for the if he can find some way to get out of it. Yeah, he is Al's blunt instrument. Yeah, but he's also a fairly decent man. Yeah, he understands the utility of his violence. Right. Um, Milch talks a lot about you know violence for utility and violence for some other you know means, but uh, Al comes down. He needs. He needs to calm down all his customers. He's like, all this talk of a massacred family is going to dry up all the, you know, action downstairs. Uh, he tells them to, like, rest tonight. Yeah. It's like, if I were you, <laughs> I would spend tonight getting my head clear. <laughs> right out in the morning, he goes, and I'll pay a $50 bounty on any Indian head that's brought to me or whatever. Al, Al also has one of my favorite lines in the whole episode, maybe the whole series, where... <laughs> He's like calming everybody down. He's like, God rest the souls of that poor family. And pussy's half price for the next 15 minutes. Whoopee! Uh, Now, yeah, in that, in that thing, he, he talks about like, everyone bring me head of, of, of the, these fucking heathens, dirt worshipers. Yeah. Uh, David, sorry. Oh, then in silence at the end of the scene, he's like, it wasn't them. I know exactly who it was. Yeah. Yeah, um, he. I think he goes to Johnny. He was like, "I, I put, <laughs> I put my money on Persimmon Phil, <laughs> which is a great. We don't get enough names like that in Deadwood, yeah. but Persimmon Phil is a good one. Uh, but yeah, he talks about the pseudo speciation that goes on with the the um, Native Americans, where they are um, committing genocide. He goes, 
it helps to get a leg up morally if you <laughs> make them different. This uh, it bleaches the other, their humanity. Uh, in the features, he talks about, you know, like any organic uh, material, it's in their nature to co- consume other organic material in order to live. One of the fundamental taboos of, of our species is not to consume your same species. Uh, so when you are consuming your other species, you're you know pushing these Indians out, ruining their lives, taking over their land. You need the pseudo speciation to convince yourself you're not a cannibal. Sort of. Mm-hmm. You need to, you know that's that's an old you know they talk about that a lot with you know the 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 Nazis and the Jews and any sort of you know the uh, Tutsi and the Hutus in in Rwanda. There's always like making the other non-human in order to carry out your agenda. Right. But unfortunately uh, still saying to this day. Yeah. It's, it's hideously relevant. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Jane comes in while everyone is like, all oh, right, half price pussy and, you know, free round of shots. Mm-hmm. Jane comes in. It's like, what's this about Indians killing white people? <laughs> like, <laughs> And she uh, she says, well, I'm going to write out now. Like, I don't drink where I'm the only fucking one with balls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, they say, like, uh, don't worry. Like, Al, you kind of think, like, she's bad for business. But yeah, he goes, Al's like, he didn't take any business with her. <laughs> yeah. And as he leaves, he tells Dan, don't forget to kill Tim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we see him. They ride out to the site of the massacre. And we see the Mets family massacred. Seth finds uh, this little girl that's being chewed on by wolves. It's a very like ugh, weird thing. I think we did skip over Woo's pigs. Did but anyway, Woo's pigs. Yeah. I remember uh, they're going to be back. Scene <laughs> seventeen. They're, they're very present in the whole series. So, but yeah, Woo's pigs. Uh... Yeah, the, I I still to this day like cannot handle pigs. Like I because of this show, I'm just like. Oh, fucking gross. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Ugh. But uh, so they pick up the little girl on the way back to town. They meet up with Jane and they hand, you know, there's a wordless sort of scene where Wild Bill kind of tells Seth to give Jane the kid. Yeah. And Jane is, you know, given this person to take care of. And she has, you know, uh, we kind of see the first inkling of Jane as a caretaker, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, <laughs> When I heard her her name Calamity Jane, you mm-hmm. kind of always think just because she raises a hoot and a holler. Yeah. Uh, I heard another thing that it it was it meant that like she had the clap, and like <laughs> calamity was another <laughs> word for venereal disease. But huh. apparently, it means she's she's good in a calamity. Like yeah. she helps out with the plague, and anytime there's some big uh, disaster. Like, she's good. She helps she's, out. Yeah, she's the person you want to go to. So, yeah. So, there's that. We see our first you know, inkling of that, that she's going to take care of this little girl. Um, we go back to the Garrett hotel room, and <laughs> Brom is dressing himself for the day. <laughs> and he he's, he wants to tell Alma goodbye, and she's pretending to be asleep. <laughs> he's like... <clears throat> and she's just like... I'm sleep though. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, so then we go uh, back to the gem, and this is where Ellsworth is talking to Trixie. Yeah, this great like uh, it, it's a moment where you see that Ellsworth is more than 
this kind of like you know prospector this like crass her he actually cares about like all the people around the gym and around the town and i love that line where like uh, he tells you know trixie who's clearly like distraught and she has that you know derringer on her chest or he's asking about just like don't ask me about what's on my chest and your says, face is in a bad way yeah she's been beaten up yeah by two different men so he's asking and he's like uh ellsworth says you know i'll pay a dollar a minute to hear you yeah that's so it's sweet just sweet yeah just i wrote down like sweetest dude and then trixie we kind of see her most annoying trait of just being kind of mean for supposedly no reason mm-hmm. but it's also you know she's had a very difficult just, life it's just a, it's just it's justified you know like yeah. she, she rightfully so but and uh and later on she proves very hard to love for character not mm-hmm. audience right um but yeah she she has defenses up mm-hmm. and ellsworth says uh fuck us all anyway for the limber dick <laughs> cocksuckers we are <laughs> <laughs> which is uh the closest thing to a to a uh uh, mantra yeah. that I, I will have for the rest of my life. Also, also shows Ellsworth, like, if he can't do anything, at least he, he'll he want to be there to calm you down or to, you know, that he's that kind of person. And yeah. he's, he's not this kind of rotten kind of person we would expect from him. Yeah. He's he's not a white knight where he's like, why won't you tell me what's wrong? Yeah. He's like, well, I can't help you, but we're all fucked anyway, <laughs> all right, so I'm out there with you. Let's fucking drink then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next scene, Dan goes and he kills Tim Driscoll. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we we go back out and <laughs> my notes I have Brom stands outside his hotel looking like a total dweeb. <laughs> he's just like got his things under his arm. Yeah, he's, he's like, like trying to everybody rides mm, past him. Mm, yeah, he's like, oh, what's happening? Mm. Uh, Merrick finally finds some use for himself. Yeah, and like runs up and like screams for Doc. And he's yeah, like, Doc, get out here. Uh, I, like I get the feeling that he was finally able to like. Like he was like, I could get the doc. Like yeah. everyone else was fighting off wolves, and you know, I'm not. It's Merrick's turn to shine. Yeah, with this and really he, fake looking mustache. Like I, I was watching, I was like, man, that, I wrote in my notes like Merrick's mustache. There's just something about <laughs> it that scene that bothered me. I don't know what it is. Uh, but uh, Doc comes comes out looking hella hungover. <laughs> he's he's looking rough, but he when he sees well, he uh, got free drinks for uh, yeah <laughs> disposing of. Uh, yeah, and he said, like, you know, you drink free if you don't tell anyone the Trixie's the one that shot him. Like, yeah, he yeah. did himself in. He's like, mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah. Um, but he sees the little girl, and he has this kind of look. He snaps out of it. He's he's kind of, like, shocked and horrified mm-hmm. that a little girl's gone through this and that she's in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, he, <laughs> he, t- he takes her, and Jane, like, draws her gun on him. It's like, wait. Just a minute, goddamn it! <laughs> Until I'm there with you. And he just kind of looks like, like um, I'm not. It's what the fuck? Trying to help her out. Uh, so then Seth like walks back over to Ned Mason, mm-hmm. the fucker, and he's like, uh, Ned Mason's like, well, uh, I'm glad that little one's alive. I'll be heading out now. <laughs> he's like, why don't? And Seth's like, why don't you stick around and see how she turns out? He's like. I, I don't see a need. I'll, I'll ride out. And, you know, they, they kind of tell him, like, there's too much ransacking. There's too many goods that are left around. Yeah. You're just looking for money. Just if looking for, yeah. Native Americans, they would have taken, like, blankets and food and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, but then, you know, Wild Bill comes up next to him, and Ned reaches for his gun, and then they both shoot, and he's got a bullet right through his eyeball, and he's dead. Yeah. There's a great moment where, like, uh, 
Wild Bill's like, was it Wild Bill or was it Seth? It's like, you know, which one, which bullet did him in? Yeah, Wild Bill's like, that you or me, was Montana? That, yeah, it was that you or me? And he's like, I reckon that was you. <laughs> I, my money'd be on you. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, Dan walks out from killing Tom. He's like wiping his knife. Yeah. He walks up to Brom and Brom shows him his gear. <laughs> Dan gives him a little thumbs up. <laughs> Oh, man. Like, yeah, I have in my notes just Dan gives him a thumbs up. LOL. <laughs> like, uh, Alma's seen the shooting. She takes, you know, another thing of laudanum. Al sees it from his window, and then he, he goes back to bed, and then Trixie comes in and sets her pistol next yeah. to him, and then takes off her clothes and gets in bed next to him. And yeah. He lays back, and that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the, that's the, end of the pilot. What, yeah. What did you think? When she lays a gun, is she just like telling him, like, I'm not hiding this from you? I think so. It's showing their kind of relationship that um, it's a really complicated one. Even though we've seen him do these awful things to her, like, she still has a sense of loyalty to him, I guess. And yeah, it's kind of troubling, but, you know, that's just the character in the show. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's what it is. She's like, I'm not, because I think he brings something up about that early on in the next episode. But, uh, She's just laying it down. And we also think that she has the gun because she's going to kill Al. Yeah. And so, you know, when she gets it from June and uh, Ellsworth asks about it. So she has this, like, Derringer. And then she goes in there. And I wonder if if we're supposed to think she had intention to maybe use it on him. I think that's... Now that I'm hearing that, like, going back, thinking this is the first time you've seen the show. Yeah. I think that is... 100 percent yeah <laughs> what it is it's like oh is she gonna like try and kill him when it's i think it's pretty obvious that she's not yeah <laughs> I, especially like when re-watching it knowing trixie and that character and her allegiances to al like when i watched it, i was like she's not gonna you know so it, it's this weird thing of when you're re-watching it you're that's kind of doesn't work for you mm-hmm. it's kind of like this build up to something this dramatic thing that should be happening and then you're like oh well there's just that scene oh wait no they were trying to build this thing up for people who haven't who don't know this character yet yeah but ladies and gentlemen that is episode one <laughs> thank you for uh sticking with us if you're still listening to this uh we plan to be going into this sort of depth on every episode so uh you know this is going to be more of a book club or a English class <laughs> on Deadwood less than, you know, just giggling about whatever happened. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. We will be back next week with an episode called deep water. So that's the next one to watch and, uh, be sure to check out, uh, mockingbirdnetwork.com, our, uh, happy home, uh, check out all the great, other uh 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 podcasts That's yeah the i was gonna jump in there i was like talking about podcasts i forgot to mention the first one our our theme music uh was graciously provided by the band space is dirty uh you can check them out on uh band camp they have they have a link um it's spacesdirty.bandcamp.com we'll have links uh, on the page on our website and we'll probably link to it in Twitter and all that. Um, they are an incredibly interesting band. They were nice enough to record our really good intro yeah. music for us. Uh, but yeah. Uh, do you have anything to plug Harry? Um, anything going on? Not right now. All right. I would ask you to also check out my other podcast, throwing junk, 
uh, if you're interested in baseball or if you're not interested in baseball. That's still uh, pretty funny. We try to, to tell stories that even people that don't really think about baseball can laugh at or think is interesting. But uh, yeah, until next week, uh, thanks for listening. All right, have a good week. Mockingbird Network.